Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Graham Schwartz, Director of Microsurgery and Program Director for the Breast Reconstruction Fellowship and also co-director for the Multidisciplinary Lymphedema Center. He's here today to talk to us about lymphedema. So welcome, Graham. Thanks so much for having me, Dale. So maybe to start out, give us a little background on what's your role here at Cleveland Clinic. So I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon here at the, at the clinic. I have a specialty in what's called reconstructive microsurgery. And uh, in doing so, we, you know, we really address, um, you know, primarily complex uh, reconstructive problems, uh, much of the time in collaboration with other, uh, other specialties. Uh, I also have a focus on uh, lymphedema surgery, and um, that involves also both microsurgical, super microsurgical, and other surgical uh, treatments uh, in order to uh, help improve that condition. So we have a pretty diverse group that might be listening. Can we maybe start at a very basic level? What is lymphedema? So lymphedema is uh, really a uh, dysfunction of the lymphatic system. And, you know, as many of the listeners know, uh, the lymphatic system has a primary responsibility in fluid balance and bringing back sort of the interstitial fluid from the body back to the core and into the bloodstream. Additionally, it serves an important immune surveillance uh, function and protects us against infection and cancer. Um, and so what happens in lymphedema is that uh, there is either an injury to the lymphatic system or there is a uh, lack of development of the lymphatic system. This can in turn uh, cause stagnation of that lymph fluid. When that happens, um, it can be very problematic because um, that lymph fluid, which has a lot of protein in it, it can tell the body to uh, not only sort of keep the fluid where it is, but it can it can tell the body to to generate uh, scar tissue, so fibrosis. It can activate pathways that uh, tell the body to deposit fat in excess in the region where uh, the lymphatic dysfunction is occurring. So, for people who experience lymphedema, they can um, start with some swelling, and, and perhaps that can be uh, manageable with uh, certain compression therapies and massage and so forth. But over time, what can happen is that that can uh, turn into a combination of both fluid and uh, solid tissue, in other words, scar tissue and fat tissue. So no matter how much you try to squeeze the fluid out, the limb or the portion of the body may not, you know, may not ever decrease in size. Just to follow up, the reason that this is a problem is because it can cause significant, uh, significant disability. Um, functionally, it can cause pain. It can really impact on patient's self-image. Um, it can be a financial burden to, uh, to have to deal with this for, for hours a day. Uh, it can lead to infections. So, so it's, it's a real problem, and it's not often discussed. Can you give us an estimate of the number of patients impacted? How many people are we talking that are impacted by lymphedema? Well, there are millions, millions worldwide. You know, I would say that in Western countries, developed countries, the most common cause of lymphedema is, in fact, related to uh, cancer treatments. You know, there are several things that 
that put patients at risk, um, including removal of lymph nodes and lymph tissue, radiation, certain kinds of chemotherapy. In, uh, let's say, less developed countries, uh, probably the, the most common cause of lymphedema is parasitic infection, actually. Uh, we don't see that as much you know, here in the United States. And then again, you know, there can be congenital uh, forms of lymphedema where things just don't develop properly. And, and the rate of lymphedema, at least in Western countries, uh, you can vary by cancer type and cancer treatment. So uh, it, it's, it's highly variable. And this is uh, primarily surgeries or radiation that are impacting the lymphatics for the extremities, correct? Well, those are significant risk factors. Certainly, surgery and the more lymphatic tissue and lymph nodes you remove during a cancer surgery, there tends to be a correlation between your risk of development of lymphedema. Certainly, radiation to you know, sort of nodal areas, nodal basins definitely increases the risk. But there are certain chemotherapies, you know, taxane-based chemotherapies, which are known to be a risk factor as well. Some additional you know, issues with cardiovascular health. Uh, weight and body mass index are a, uh, a known contributor as well. So tell us a little about the multidisciplinary lymphedema center. What, uh, what does that entail and what are we doing here at the Cleveland Clinic to, to tackle lymphedema? It's, it's actually really exciting because this is a somewhat new venture. You know, we've been, we've been working with lymphedema patients for years at, at the clinic. But, you know, I think there is a recognition that uh, oftentimes it's difficult for patients to uh, sometimes navigate the system. Sometimes they don't even know that they have lymphedema and certainly they don't have the resources, uh, nor, nor, quite frankly, do necessarily their providers have the resources to be able to have experts uh, in the field uh, work with the patients to get them a better, you know, better outcome. So our goal is really to consolidate care uh, and make it much more easy for patients uh, with lymphedema to, to navigate the system, see appropriate uh, providers and experts in the field. So what we've done is we've really collaborated with a number of disciplines. Primarily, we have our physical therapists and occupational therapists many of whom are uh, specialists in lymphedema therapy. Uh, we have our, our vascular medicine specialists, you know, who can deal with all modes of cardiovascular problems and uh, have, have worked with these patients a lot in the past. Uh, we have folks like me who are plastic uh, surgeons, and there are certainly new surgical uh, treatments that have been developed over the last, let's say, decade or so. Uh, and become more mature, that can help. But there are so many other people who are important in these patients' sort of journeys. Not only is their oncology team important, so they're key players, but we have folks who are involved in weight loss, our endocrine and bariatric uh, weight loss colleagues, uh, and several other disciplines. Really important to be able to give the, the entire spectrum of care to these folks. Now, how much of this uh, is focused on main campus? How much of this extends out to the region? So it can be both. Currently, we're in a format where we're trying to just make access as easy as is possible for patients. So we have developed several care pathways that will allow for patients to come in from the region. Even quite frankly, uh, folks come to us from international and across the country 
and we have ways to navigate the patients to our various multidisciplinary team uh, members on uh, on a single day or within a couple of days to get most of their testing and assessments and management plan underway. All right, you're a plastic surgeon. Let's uh, let's shift to something fun. Microsurgery, super microsurgery, certainly has made a big impact in lymphedema. Tell us about that. What is it and what can be done? So microsurgery has made a big impact. What, what microsurgery effectively is, is a set of techniques where we're operating on, on structures that are in the millimeter to few millimeter range. And that's something that's been uh, been around, you know, since uh, the 80s and 90s and, and so forth. And we, we can use those types of techniques to transfer tissue from one area of the body to a different area of the body. So uh, effectively performing a transplantation, uh, an auto transplantation. As it relates to lymphedema, what we can offer in the appropriate patients is the transfer of lymphatic tissue or lymph nodes from uh, one region of the body to another region of the body. And uh, this has been shown to uh, improve uh, lymphedema for a variety of reasons, which we can talk about. Super microsurgery is uh, an evolution, uh, so to speak, of the microsurgical technique. And in these cases, we're dealing with structures that are less than 0.8 millimeters in size. And so the technical nuance of, of doing these types of surgeries is, is a little higher. You know, we require you know, even more specialized instrumentation and, and a specialized skill set. But um, you know, thankfully, we're able to offer all options uh, to our patients here at the Cleveland Clinic. So give us a comparison to something uh, 0.8 millimeter. That's pretty small. What would that be equivalent to? So that, that's almost less than a human hair. And so we, you know, we have fortunately access to um, the microscopy uh, and instruments and, and suture to be able to actually connect um, structures that are, are that small. So when we talk about lymphedema, one of the surgical procedures that uh, we use, and, and it's especially impactful in, in folks with earlier stages of lymphedema, is something called lymphaticovenous bypass or, or lymphaticovenous anastomosis. And what we do in this type of a procedure is we locate through a certain uh, mapping procedure, we locate uh, lymphatic uh, channels and we actually connect them into very, very tiny veins in an effort to get some of that protein-laden lymph fluid out of the extremity or out of the area, effectively you know, providing a detour uh, for that lymphatic fluid to get back into the bloodstream, into the core, and uh, you know, decongest the area that is at issue. So that's essentially, as it says, a bypass. That's just sort of rerouting the fluid. You had just recently mentioned autotransplants. That's that sounds like it's more reconstructing the system. You know, in in essence, uh, that's correct. Uh, you know, what what we believe to be the mechanism, you know, and and it's still yet to be fully elucidated. But there's some good data to support this, uh, both in human and animal models, is that when we transfer this lymphatic tissue. Lymph nodes, for example, if they have a blood supply, they can uh, act as almost a, a pump where they can transfer fluid a little bit more efficiently from the interstitium into the bloodstream. So, you know, we're not at the level of the lymphatic vessel. We're at a, a slightly larger, more macro level. 
And so between that and, and oftentimes we'll transfer some skin, which also contains some lymphatic tissue and lymphatic collectors that can you know, bring some of this fluid through the vein that we connect uh, at the site uh, where we do the transplantation, um, we'll bring the, that fluid, that lymphatic and interstitial fluid back into the bloodstream. Now, in addition, um, what it's thought to do is to you know, provide an immunologic center uh, to the area so that, you know, in folks who are, let's say, devoid of lymph nodes or lymphatic function, you know, you have these new transplanted immune centers in the areas that are at risk for, for infection. So some of the the older therapies, the massage therapies, you, you mentioned they could be time-consuming, they're chronic. Uh, patients that have surgery for their lymphedema, are they likely to still need some of those modalities, or is this something that can really make them uh, not need those therapies? So I think it depends a lot on where their starting point is. Our approach here is that we really believe that both surgery and therapy are effective means of managing lymphedema. And, you know, we will oftentimes use them in tandem. Um, and I think it's really important, you know, for folks who are, are thinking about and are surgical candidates, it's important for them to be optimized, you know, with physical therapy prior to any surgery and continue to work through therapy um, and use compression after surgery. Now, at some time after surgery, there may be the opportunity to completely eliminate compression and therapy, but um, many times there's not. And that doesn't mean that it's not impactful, um, surgery that is. It means that we may be able to create a situation where therapy is much more effective. So for example, using surgery, perhaps a patient was not before able to get any of the fluid out of their arm uh, or leg or, or what have you. But now with surgery, there's a pathway to allow a better decongestion of the area. So maybe they don't have to spend as much time during the day, or maybe they don't have to do uh, you know, these uh, compression maneuvers or massage or pumping uh, every day. Maybe they can really diminish the amount of time they spend taking care of their lymphedema. So it, it really can be you know, a synergy. Some, some folks are very lucky. They get rid of all compression. Some patients still may need to use it, but experience a, you know, a great improvement in their quality of life and time spent dealing with lymphedema. What are some of the factors that go into deciding what therapy is best for any particular patient? There are a number of things. I, I think that we get a sense of, of where they are in terms of their lymphedema uh, and sort of what, uh, quote unquote, stage they're at. Some people have just noticed a new swelling. Some folks have been dealing with this for years and years and years and really never had the opportunity to have any kind of care. So, you know, physical exam obviously plays an, uh, still an extremely important role, as does their history. One thing that we do uh, specifically when we evaluate patients for surgery is we perform a test called ICG lymphography. And what ICG lymphography is, it's a fluorescence-guided imaging technique where we inject a fluorescent dye uh, into somebody's limb or area that we're concerned about. And we actually can, can map out 
the lymphatic drainage pathways. And, and we can also see if there is um, evidence of backup into the skin of the lymph fluid. And depending on their physical exam and their other you know, comorbidities uh, and this, this type of a test, it can help us to determine what's the right treatment for them. For example, if somebody has an early presentation of swelling, right, and, and let's say therapy has not resolved it and they're working through their therapy, they're very, very compliant, but things are just not working out. We can, we can assess them. We can do a test like this and we can see, are there still functioning lymphatic vessels? If there are functioning lymphatic vessels, that provides us the opportunity to perform a bypass procedure like we talked about. And the bypass procedure has many advantages in the sense that it's, it's quite minimally invasive. We're you know, operating just below the skin surface. It's a same-day surgery and maybe you know, a few hours to do because it's technically involved, but it's a same-day surgery with very little pain, and we can often make an impact. Now, in patients who have a pattern of lymphatic dysfunction where they have too much backup of the lymph fluid into their skin, into their dermis, that may indicate that the lymphatic vessels are just are too scarred and too sclerotic to be able to perform these super microsurgery procedures. So in those cases, that's, that's where we might use a lymphatic tissue transfer type of a procedure. Now, lastly, there are procedures that don't involve microsurgery and super microsurgery, and that is actually, those are actually tissue removal procedures. So for those, those folks who have a lot of scar tissue and have a lot of fatty tissue, maybe even they, they have a lot of extra skin, we need to use procedures to remove some of that because that's not going to go away with diversion of the fluid. That's actually solid tissue that needs to be removed. And so liposuction works, works really great for that. Um, and sometimes we need to excise some, some tissue as well through skin excisional procedures. So we take sort of a staged approach to folks with lymphedema when we're dealing with surgery. Um, oftentimes we'll, you know, we'll do one procedure to address a fluid component We'll do another procedure to address the solid component. Some, some patients have both. When we think about uh, physicians that might be listening in, realizing that maybe there's some resources that are available here at the, the Cleveland Clinic that might be useful, who are the best patients to, to have referred here to the lymphedema center? Well, any, any patient with, a, with suspected lymphedema, um, we will be glad to help uh, evaluate and figure out what are the best treatments. So if there's a patient with limb swelling, um, for example, um, it, it may be lymphedema. Uh, it, may be, it may not. It may be a, a problem with their veins, venous insufficiency, or maybe a combination of both. So when providers have the ability to just refer to a common sort of front door, we can help uh, ferret out what, what exactly is going on with that patient. And if they do have lymphedema, we will, you know, get them involved with our therapy teams and, you know, our vascular medicine doctors and, uh, if appropriate, surgical team uh, for evaluation. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your insight today, Graham. Do you have any additional comments? Well, I just want to say thanks, uh, Dale, for having me. I, I do want to just make mention of, of another exciting endeavor that we've been involved in in the last number of years. You know, one important thing for uh, patients, uh, especially cancer patients, is certainly preventing lymphedema. 
Because once you have it, un- unfortunately, lymphedema isn't known to be curable at this, at this time. Now, that may change in the next few years. But what I, I just want to highlight is that you know, over, um, over the last number of years, we have really focused on trying to identify at-risk patients. And when the opportunity presents itself, especially in patients who have, let's say, breast cancer, who require removal of many of their lymph nodes or all their lymph nodes, there are some surgical procedures that we have developed to be performed at the time of uh, that kind of cancer treatment. For example, a person has breast cancer, they have their lymph nodes removed. The breast oncology team is able to map out some of the lymph channels that are draining the extremity, draining the arm. Um, And occasionally they're able to even preserve some of the lymph channels. Now, if not, if that's not an oncologically safe thing to do and they have to transect some of the, the lymph channels, because we've marked them and we've kind of illuminated them with, with some tracer, that means that we can now find them, we can visualize them, and we can actually reconnect them. And we can perform one of these lymphatical venous bypasses in the immediate setting before, in fact, anybody ever develops lymphedema. And using this, this collaborative approach, we've really been able to reduce lymphedema rates uh, by up to half, by up to 50%. In, in some of these high-risk patients. So we're excited about that. And, and you know, we're excited about the sort of monitoring uh, paradigm that we've developed at the clinic with our breast cancer colleagues. And I think that this is a, a paradigm that other cancer specialties are, are interested in as well. So I, I, I'm really excited about seeing this uh, develop across uh, cancer specialties here at the clinic. Wow, that's, it's fascinating work in a really important area. So thank you very much for being with us today. I really appreciate you having me. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our Consult QD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org slash cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.